0: Welcome to the Mentium Podcast, where we talk about leadership, life, and the power of mentoring. This is Solby Brown, and my guest today is Sue Stanek. Sue is a motivational speaker, an award-winning consultant, a passionate community volunteer, and an outstanding alumni award winner from the University of Minnesota. Sue has her PhD in training and development and is the founder of Inspiring Results, Sue has more than 25 years of experience providing custom training and development solutions for Fortune 500 companies. And she has also taught graduate level courses in strategic leadership. Sue has been a senior consultant for Mentium for the past 20 years, where she has designed and implemented corporate mentoring programs. During this time, Sue and Mentium received McGraw-Hill Company's first consultant of the year award for their mentoring initiative. Welcome, Sue. I am so glad to have you as a guest today.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Sue, you have spent a large part of your career teaching and inspiring professionals to become even stronger leaders. One of the concepts that you teach is that real leadership starts with yourself. This is such an interesting concept. Can you tell us what you mean by this?
1: Sure. Um, you know, I think I was inspired a number of years ago. Harvard Business Review highlighted a magazine, one of their monthly journals. uh, In fact, I have it right here on leadership. And it was the first one they'd ever devoted entirely to one topic. And the topic was personal leadership. And they said that they were doing that because they realized that was at the core of business leadership, that you needed to be able to manage yourself and lead yourself, The, the extent to which you could do that impact of the extent to which you could do that with others. And that combined with um, having exposure to Wilson Learning's model and metaphor with regard to a bicycle really hit home for me. And what the bicycle metaphor says is that if you think about the back wheel of a bicycle, I mean, assuming you have a competent rider, uh, the the purpose of the back wheel is um, to provide what? It's really the power, right? If you pedal it, that's where the right. power comes from. Yeah. And if you think about the front wheel of a bicycle, what's its main job? It's steering, right? Direction. So you need to have a strong back wheel and a strong front wheel in order to be effective on the bike and in leadership. The back wheel represents your expertise. It's the things that you usually have on your resume. And of course, the more you, the bigger your back wheel. The more you have on your resume, the more uh, back wheel power that you have or leadership in in your field of expertise. Then you look at the front wheel, and the front wheel of the bike is made up of self leadership and interpersonal leadership, and that actually determines where you can take those back wheel, that back wheel expertise. And so when we think about personal leadership, it's how big or small is that front wheel. And for me, it's composed of two things: how well I know myself. How well and and with that manage myself and how well I know and manage my relationship with others. So that's that's the core of it. That is a great
0: metaphor. Can you give us an example of what that self-leadership
1: looks like? How do you enact self-leadership? Sure. Well, I'll use myself as the wrong way example that hopefully has turned into a right way example. <laughs> and that was, uh, let's talk about, the, I said there's two aspects of it, you know, managing yourself and managing your relationships. So I'll pick the first one, managing the rel- uh, myself. When I was early on in my career, I was working for an organization and I was working my tail off. I mean, it was a, a job that just had more to be done that was humanly possible. And one day, one of the executives asked me out for lunch and I thought, hey, this is a great thing. Um, she noticed I'm here and wants to go out for lunch. And so as we went out for lunch and talked, at some point I said, You know, if you have any feedback for me, um, I'd be, you know, really open to hearing that. And she said, Well, well, as a matter of fact, that's why I'm taking you out for lunch. I do want to give you some feedback. And I thought, wow, good news is coming my way. Right. And she said she said, Sue, I understand you've worked every day but Christmas. And I thought, She knows how hard I'm working. She said, because you've mentioned it to a number of people. And I said, it's true. And um, although we, I mean, it was a Monday through Friday type of job. So working on, she goes, and and I said, most weekends. And uh, she said, I understand that. She said, you know, we really value you. That's why I'm taking you out for lunch. We'd like you to be here for a long time. Um, You've got great expertise in your field. You have great customer relationships. But if you burn out, it won't be good for you or for us. And I said, I understand that. And she goes, and then she gave me some hardness. She goes, and no one has time to take you on as a cause. (laughs) And I was like, what do you say to that? Oh my goodness, yeah. And fortunately, my, um, I don't know what kicked into gear, but I said, while I felt kind of defensive and defeated inside, my outside said, can you give me any advice on that? And she said, yes, look around the people who are successful in this company that don't work every weekend and ask them how they do it
0: oh my goodness that was wonderful advice and i give you credit for in that moment where anyone would be feeling defensive because that wasn't what
1: you're expecting to hear to ask that question right i i am not sure where it came from i'm glad it came uh it was while she was mentoring me, it was kind of a rough way to mentor me at that point by telling me I didn't no one could take man as a cause. It was what I really needed to learn, that it was my responsibility and my self-management. And what I thought was a strength was actually working against me, both in terms of my reputation, but even more so as my burnout factor. And so that's where my personal leadership needed to get into gear in order to be successful. She was telling me my back is really good. It's your front wheel that you need to pay attention to.
0: Right, wow, that is a really powerful story that I think a lot of people can relate to um, because you just get busier and busier. And I like that um, idea that what you think is a strength overused can become a weakness.
1: Right, I do have one more example. That oh, was good. about you know self-management. This one is about a colleague of mine and it's about the interpersonal management. Uh, he, this colleague was, he was in a, worked for a bank, and he was just tremendous when it came to numbers and auditing. And he, at a very young age, in his 20s, became an officer of the bank and was in charge of their internal audits. And his boss was doing a performance review with him, and he complimented him on his ability to just look at a spreadsheet or look at a process, and he could just narrow in and say, this is where the $10 mistake is. This is where the process missed a step. And he was feeling very good about the review and the feedback that his boss was giving him. By the way, that was back wheel feedback about his yeah. expertise. And he, and he said, the problem is no one wants to work with you. Oh, <laughs> wow. And he said, well, I understand that um, I'm auditing and I'm um, I'm showing them what's wrong and they know I'm right. And his boss said something that has stayed with him. He said, it's not just about being right. It's about being effective and your opportunity is to learn how to do your auditing, how to find the things that need to be changed and want people to learn and grow with you through what you've identified. And that was a very, very humbling moment for for him. And I will also tell you that as true with me, as true with him on self-leadership and management, it always takes conscious effort. It wasn't like, oh, I've had work-life balance the rest of my life. I've managed that really well. It always takes conscious effort, and I don't do it well all the time. I know he has told me it takes him conscious effort because he just zeroes in and sees what needs to be done and doesn't mince words and has to pull himself back to say, how do I deliver this in a way that will be helpful, not just right, but effective.
0: Yeah. And that is a really good reminder that it's an ongoing process. It's not like, oh, I fixed that. It it is (laughs) something that you'll probably need to revisit quite often. Um, That story you told about your colleague, it reminds me of something you told me about one of your leadership topics that you teach. And you said that you've noticed that a particular leadership topic tends to get an, oh, wow, response from people. I do that. The topic is The slippery slope of being right. Can you tell me more about what inspired you to teach this topic?
1: Sure. Uh, You know, I've been thinking about again, how do I remain effective, and when do I get stuck? And I tend to get stuck when I get—I am a passionate person, and when I get passionate and and very convinced about a view point on something and I had a very uh, uh, an incident happened that I'll share and then I'll tell you how it ended up in a leadership model that uh, brought it home for me and that was one evening in the summer I was walking down the street just taking my walk and there was a gentleman coming toward me with his small dog and I noticed maybe you know a half a block away he was kind of yelling and swishing his hand in the air like he was upset with the dog and then he got a little bit closer and he actually stopped and took his sandal off, and while he was yelling, hit the dog, this little dog. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe he just did that!" And I, when I got up to him, I said, um, "Could you tell me exactly what you think you were doing with that dog? How would you like it if I took off my shoe and hit you?" And he looked at me and he goes, "My dog was being stung by a bee."
0: Oh my! Oh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I was so humbled. I said, oh, 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 well, oh, okay. And I I actually don't exactly remember what I said, but I did know that I wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible. Right. So let me take that story and turn it into a leadership principle. And that is um, when something happens that we have an emotional response to. So think about something happens, good or bad, anything, upsetting, saddening, whatever, something happens and we form an opinion. And if it's something important to us, that opinion can turn, we can start thinking about an opinion, a, a, you know, a feeling to opinion to fact. Then I start thinking about that fact, start feeling right, and then I become righteous. So, see how I did that with the dog? I mean, I saw something that created an emotion, it created, uh, created an opinion in me. I quickly went down the slippery slope of that's a fact, he's wrong, I'm right. And then I came off as righteous. And what it did was it closed down my ability to remain in a neutral zone. I was I was conclusive rather than curious. Now, right. in that particular case, I was wrong. There are other cases where, in fact, that's not how it turns out. I may, in fact, be correct about something. But if I go down the path that I did and become righteous, so to speak, my response is much less effective in terms of, Um, solving the problem, contributing to the energy that's going on, to be a part of uh, the solution. The shift comes to how I reacted rather than um, on what's happening and how to keep the channels open for communication. Right. And from what you're saying,
0: it sounds to me like going down that slippery slope, can be really fast. It can almost be, you know, split seconds of between that emotional reaction till your opinion is formed till you feel like oh my goodness I'm right and you cut off that communication. So what are some things that you have used in that moment? Like how do you recognize when you're starting to go down that slippery slope and what do you do?
1: Okay. Well, the the most important thing I can do is pause Mm. to, and is to stop stop and say, in a sense, say to myself, I'll use the dog example. That doesn't make sense. I mean, you think about it, who walking down the street is going to stop and yell at their dog and hit them, particularly in front of another person. I mean, um, I have a colleague that's always said to me, if something doesn't make sense, there's more to the story. So that, you know what, though, that requires a lot of discipline, uh, especially when you feel passionate about something, or you really? It's really an important topic to you. So I think the idea is that to pause uh, in the moment and look for more information before concluding is probably a key thing that that you, I can do. Uh, I can also do that in different ways when I pause, which is I can ask somebody else. Um, I can wait to respond, and I will tell you that the, it's most difficult when it's something that's core. to one of my values. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a natural human tendency. When we get that energy going in us, we want to calm it down in a way we can do it in the short run is by reacting but Mm -hmm. oftentimes serves against us. So it requires some discipline. Does that click? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes
0: sense. So what you're saying is that you've kind of trained yourself to pause when you start kind of feeling that emotional buildup of like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that just happened or whatever. You pause and instead of um, reacting, you, you take a moment to respond and to kind of think about how you want to respond. And like you said before, you become curious and not conclusive.
1: Yes, and I will say sometimes in that split second, like you were talking about, where it happens very quickly. I mean, I was already there with the man with the dog. Okay, right. But But um, for me, before I got to him and said anything, to recognize that I was feeling really righteous about it—like there's no other a solution to this—and um, to be well, and to recognize, I'll say, well, I'm feeling pretty right about this, so that probably means when I feel righteous, I'm part of the issue.
0: Right. Wow. That's a really, yeah, that's a really good example. And I think we can all relate to that because we've all definitely had feelings about that, like where you're right, whether it's in your personal life or your professional life. So that's really good advice to create an attitude of having open communication as because being right cuts off the ability to even listen to the other person.
1: And think about it in that um, every day but Christmas story. If I had to stick to being right, well, she just doesn't get it. That's just, she doesn't understand my job. If I said being right was in a sense was more important than listening to how I might change. Same thing for my colleague that was the auditor at the bank. I mean, he could have stayed at, well, you know, that they, they, that's their issue not mine when you sit and say okay what part of the issue is mine and what can i own and how important is it to me to give up a little bit of being right in order to be effective
0: right and then that goes back to that front wheel leadership which is so important because that's a skill in that front wheel that that's really important
1: well and i'll tell you in this world today very few people can be leaders with only with having a big back wheel and a very small front wheel Um, Mm -hmm. And if uh, the research would say the higher you go in the organization, it's assumed you have a strong back will and what makes the difference in terms of being successful is your ability to manage yourself and manage your relationships with others in a way that makes them energized to do more than they would to be committed to what needs to get done and keeping themselves balanced and um, having perspective, uh, healthy sense of self uh, to really make the organization move forward. Oh,
0: I love that. That is such a good description of the empowering nature of having that strong front wheel with a strong back wheel. Well, Sue, you have been instrumental in designing and implementing corporate mentoring programs for Mentium these past 20 years. You have won awards for the programs that you've implemented. Can you talk about the impact that mentoring has had on individuals and companies that you've witnessed during these years of doing this?
1: Yeah. You know, I think as I look back on it, The number one thing that I see has risen amongst the thousands of mentoring, mentees that have gone through our programs and mentoring in general is an, and this is an important one, it's an increased sense of self-worth. And when I feel valued in an organization, valued by people, that's a great human trait to experience, also makes me want to give more. When I, as human beings, we want to feel affirmed and that we make a difference. And with that, you know, it's the whole idea of being selected to be a mentee or signing up for it and having the company say, yes, we'll, we'll allow the resources to make that happen for you, be it time or dollars and our dollars. It's that message is sent that, you know, I feel important enough to be invested in. The company thinks I'm important enough to be invested in. Um, and I always hear mentees say how honored and humbled they are that someone who's higher up in an organization, more experienced in them would not only find the time to spend with them and take the time, but prioritize the time. So that whole sense of I'm affirmed and I make a difference and the company or the organization and the mentor want to invest in me does so much for a person. So that's number one on individuals. The second thing I wanted to mention is it's, you know, mentoring is really the art of accelerating um, learning and development through the wisdom of the rearview mirror. So I've got, you know, I'm going to learn over time how to do things better through experience, but mentoring done well with a trusted relationship amps up that acceleration through somebody else saying, you know, this is how I did it. This is what I learned. And I always think about, you know, there's that metaphor where if you have a jar and you put rocks in it, then you say, is it full? And then you can put sand in it. And then is it full, then you can put water in it. And it talks about what it takes. And to me, Mentoring is the sand. So I've got things I need to get done at work. I could go and take a class on project management, learn more about my field of expertise. The mentor, a mentoring partnership can fill in the sand with the nuances of the how-tos and the things that one experiences over time that make a difference. So for me, it's individuals, it's the sense of self-worth and also being able to accelerate my learning through someone else's rear mirror.
0: Oh, that is great! And being able to utilize their experiences, or they can help you with things that happen right. to them, so you don't necessarily have to learn those same lessons. They can say,
1: "Oh, here's that." And I, let uh, me give you a real quick one. In the yeah. first, in one of the first organizations I worked with, the um, CEO had a, had a quote, and he said, "Celebrate mistakes." And he was an entrepreneur, and he was also a skier, a downhill skier. And he said, "If you don't come back into the chalet with snow on you, on your You know, on you somewhere, it means you didn't fall and you didn't try something new. And he said, let's celebrate mistakes in that way, as long as they've been made on purpose to try and move something forward. So this idea is I can celebrate my mistakes by sharing them with you. um, And then maybe you don't have to go through it in the same way, but I can accelerate your learning how to ski, so to speak, through some of what I've learned. That is
0: great and a great reminder that mistakes aren't bad. I think sometimes people really try to avoid making mistakes, but if you're learning from them and growing from them, um, and I really like the idea that mistakes you've made, you can help pay it forward. So someone else doesn't have to make yeah. those mistakes. And also, you know, what I hear you saying is that value cycle of having the mentee feel the value of the company and that people that they want to invest in them. And then they're so inspired to give back and to work even harder to just be like, Oh my goodness, they really believe in me. That is a really, really great example of how it's kind of a big circle of just giving.
1: Well, think about, you had asked the impact of mentors, mentoring programs on the individual, and then the impact on the organization. I think I fast forwarded to that by the example that I used of the CEO, and he wanted to accelerate the growth of the organization by having people feel safe. And I actually got a chance to practice that. I uh, I was operating under a, on a, I was working on a project that was, um, I moved forward on without his expressed approval. I'd gotten his second-in-commands approval, and then when he got a chance to review it, we had already spent the dollars, and there were a lot of dollars there, and I uh, actually called him on the phone. Uh, this was quite a while ago, and he picked up. I was hoping I'd get his voicemail, Right, and he picked <laughs> up, and, and uh, I said to him, Bob, it's Sue. I said, do you feel like celebrating today? <laughs> and he started laughing. He says, come down to my office, and I said, hey, we moved forward on this project. You know what he said to me, and this you have to know your organizational culture as to whether or not this would happen. But he said to me, "You know what, Sue? you made the right choice. I approved <laughs> afterwards the spending of the money that you've already spent that was the right thing to do. You tried to reach me. I wasn't available. But you know what? even if you I disagreed, and we had to do that particular project over, I still would have said you did the right thing because you were moving forward with a certain amount of information and we need to celebrate that. That's the kind of behavior I want to see in my employees.
0: Oh my goodness. That is a really strong example of just trust, of trusting your employees to do the right thing. Wow. Wow. So, Sue, you have had times in your life where you've been really busy being a full-time working mom, getting your PhD, and being an active community volunteer. What lessons have you learned about work-life balance or work-life integration along the way? Sure.
1: I heard a female politician say years ago, you can have it all, but not at the same time. and what I would say is I'd tweak it to say you can do it all, but not all well at the same time. So, uh, and you there's always a cost benefit for what, what you do. I mean, when I was choosing to be very involved in my career and go to grad school and run a couple volunteer, um, organizations, uh, my family paid for it and some of my own self, um, health paid for it uh, just in terms of me always being exhausted and so forth and I had a kind of a painful wake-up call from my husband one Saturday when I was rushing off to my exercise class because that's what I needed to do and I was filling up my water bottle and he said you know what you need to kiss something up and I said oh yeah I know I know and I'm thinking okay fine I got to get to the class and then he said no I really mean it and I thought to myself you know what do, you want to, what do you want me to give up? And I said to him, what is, it that, what is it? He goes, I really mean it. I said, my job, my job, my volunteer work. I mean, my PhD. And he, he looked at me and he goes, I, re- I want you to give up the applause. Oh. And I never made it to the workout class that day. Yeah. He kind of uncovered something. And I realized I was doing it all or trying to, because of the allure of the applause, Of oh, she does it all. Mm-hmm. And that day, i it's not like I quit everything, but I reprioritized. I said that I didn't move, need to move as quickly on my schooling. I needed to work on self-management with my job. I needed to uh, delegate and do things and make tiny steps that helped me integrate more of what I wanted without too great of cost. And unfortunately, I couldn't see myself. It was to the feedback of somebody who cared for me which in that case, my husband was serving as my mentor. And because we have trust and relationships, ideally between mentees and mentors, that's the kind of caring feedback we can get that we can't see ourselves.
0: Yeah, that is a great Um, example. And um, it sounds too like you switched your perspective. So instead of looking at how everything looks from the outside, you really got kind of you know, one-to-one with yourself, that self-leadership, that front wheel, and looked at it from the inside of what was really important and valuable to you, and what did you want to
1: prioritize? I did. In fact, I ended up writing a chapter on this called The Inside Out Applause, which was to look for it from the inside out. And with that, I would say managing work-life balance and integration another piece of self-advice I give is ruthless prioritization, Mm -hmm. really ruthless about what's, what's most important, which means I'm going to let some things go. And what, what, what am I, and there will be a cost to it. It's there's I mean, there's a cost to that. And then the last thing I would say about that is if I don't reflect and pause on the lessons I'm learning, I'll repeat them. So when I learn a lesson, when I ref- stop and say, "While wow, this week was crazy busy, if I had to do it over again, what c- could I and what would I have changed? And stop and pause. In fact, I listened to the retirement speech of an executive and lessons learned in his life. He said, I too often move from one project and onto the next without stopping and taking a moment to say, what did I learn from this project? And I would say the same thing in terms of work-life balance when it's going well what am i learning that i want to repeat when i'm it's not going well what do i what did i learn that i want to shift
0: that is a fantastic reminder of that self responsibility of you know if that it will repeat if you don't yeah. fix it or don't pause to think about it
1: we're back to the pause aren't we yeah pause back, back to the pause full circle, circle. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Right. Well, Sue, we have time for three final questions. Um, The first of the final questions is, do you have habits that you feel have contributed to your success?
1: Yes. Uh, Three. One is I, for the last 20 years, have had a peer mentor. And what we do is we pick a book and we get together once every one to two weeks on the phone or Zoom. And we have both been responsible for reading a chapter, reflecting and practicing what's in the chapter, and then talking with each other and challenging each other on it. We've done over 15 books. And people always say, what books did you read? Well, the one we just finished was Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Okay. And one of the other powerful books that we read was um, "Switch: How to Change When Change is Hard by Heath and Heath, the Heath brothers. Mm-hmm. So this idea of kind of having a book one-to-one book club that really is pure mentoring has been one I would consider it a habit. Second is um, whatever your spiritual practice is to practice it. Mm-hmm. Because uh, for me, it's my Christian faith. For others, it might be something very different than that, but it reminds me of what real success is. And with that, um, that brings me to the third habit, which is truly to take time each morning before any technology and do whatever kind of pause of meditation to quiet your mind. And, you know, I thought this was kind of out there when I first heard about this. And then I learned the research that says the importance it has. And it clears your mind so that I am more effective at solving problems and zeroing in on being productive when I've quieted my mind and cleared cleared the deck, so to speak, for just five to 15 minutes in the morning.
0: Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing those habits. I'm always so interested in hearing what people do, and that's always really inspiring. So what would your advice be
1: to up-and-coming leaders? Sure. One is to seek out what I call BBO friends and colleagues, and BBO stands for better because of. So you know they're the people that uh, tend to look at work and life with a little bit of crankiness or complaining or sarcasm. And they're the, then they are those people that, when you hang with them, when you're around them, you are better because of them. And for me, that's advice I would have is hang out with the people. Who are you better because of? You do less of what you don't like about yourself, and you do more of what you do like about yourself, and they push you to be more like them. Second is to keep figuring out your strengths. And once you think you know what your strengths are, you've taken strength finders or something, then dial it in a little tighter. And really understand what your strengths are and how to continue to develop them. Keep honing in on them because that is where you'll make the biggest difference and you'll feel the most fulfilled. And the third and last is to keep focused on being the best for the world rather than the best in the world. And that is something, and in a moment before I do my presentations and my work with clients, I stop and just say out loud in my mind, Or out loud, if I'm not mic'd up, is, Sue, your job is to focus on being the best for the people here, for the world, not in the world. And it gets me to move from an ego mindset to a service mindset.
0: Wow, that is great advice. Thank you. Um, Do you have a favorite saying, quote, or motto?
1: About 100. But (laughs) the one that I get a lot of positive uh, head nods when I'm facilitating is, we judge ourselves by intent and others by action. Wow, yeah. So. That is
0: yeah, that is powerful.
1: Well, and Sue, it's, it's about self accountability, you know, self
0: accountability. Yeah. Self yeah. leadership. Exactly, full circle. Sue Thank you so much for being our guest today. I really appreciate you sharing your inspiring stories and your great ideas for real leadership. I love the metaphors of the front wheel, back wheel leadership and how important it is to get the front wheel as big as the back wheel. And um, I appreciate your conversation about the slippery slope of being right and the importance of pausing for a minute when you feel like, oh, I think I'm right about this and leaving um, communication more open by being curious instead of just reacting and being conclusive. Um, And then thanks for sharing about the powerful impact of mentoring and the habits that have really helped you be your best. And by associating with better because of people, you become a better because of person. For those of you who would like to learn more about Sue's keynotes and seminar topics, you can check out her offerings at suestanic.com. Thank you so much for listening to this Mentium podcast.